0: Hello and welcome to European Pharmaceutical Reviews podcast, supported by Biomeriou. In this second episode in our Advanced Therapy Medicinal Products, ATMP series, we'll be discussing how academics and industry are collaborating to advance cell and gene therapies and more with Jérôme Lagarot. Director of the Department of Biotherapies and the MIRI Centre for Cell and Gene Therapy in the Hospital San Luis, APHP, and Julian Textoris, Vice President Global Medical Affairs, Immunoassays and Host Response at BiomerU. My name is Hannah Balfour, I'm the Assistant Editor of European Pharmaceutical Review, and I will be your host today. So far, more than 100 cell and gene therapies have been approved in markets worldwide. And at least 400 more are currently under development. In this podcast, Jerome and Julian will discuss the importance of collaboration between academics and other industry stakeholders in driving cell and gene therapy development, and why improving quality control alongside therapies is critical to successful product development and delivery. Well, hi, Jerome. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. And also welcome to you too, Julien, thank you for joining us to give your insights into cell and gene therapies. So to start us off, Jérôme, can you tell me what is the MIRI Centre of Cell and Gene
1: Therapy? Thank you very much. The MIRI Centre is a centre which is dedicated to the manufacturing of cell and gene therapy. And this centre is located in Saint Louis Hospital in Paris. One of the 39 hospitals of a group uh, which is called uh, APHP. This center is thus an academic center dedicated to cell and gene therapy and to collaboration for projects that are run both with academic and industrial partners.
0: Great. And Jerome, what is the role of the Miri Center in? developing cell and gene therapies?
1: We have thought our role and the project of the Mary Centre was based on the fact to develop, optimise some manufacturing process and to run them through early phase clinical trials. So the, the very basic idea is to help our collaborators to put into the clinic some process, likely in phase one, phase two, and maybe phase three trial. But we we have no idea to have a commercial product manufacturing as an example. We are really here to be at the forefront of the development of, of a process and its industrialization.
0: Great. And Julian, on your end, Biomaryu is a leader in in vitro diagnostics. So, can you tell me what role that company has in cell and gene therapy?
2: Sure. Hi, Anna. So, indeed, Biomaryu is an in vitro diagnostic company, a pure diagnostic player, and we provide innovative diagnostic solutions to address mainly public health challenges, uh, such as improving patient health, protect consumer health. And, and really, that part of protecting consumer health is the focus of the industry branch of Biomagio. We have two worldwide leadership positions in microbiology, both for clinical and industrial uh, application. And so regarding really cell and gene therapy, it's really providing instrument, regions, IT solutions now in order to provide quality controls and tools all along the chain, you know, raw materials, process controls environmental monitoring, and also, of course, uh, finished uh, finished product control. What's really important is, of course, time to result and automation that are critical, and this is particularly, and we'll probably discuss that for cell and gene therapies.
0: Fabulous. And obviously, cell and gene therapies are a really booming sector of drug development. Is this going to be a revolution in medicine? What's your view on the sector?
2: So that's indeed a revolution. It's funny to see that, you know, when I started medical school 20 years ago, gene therapy was really a dream, and we saw that become true, okay? So it really came from research and first attempts to something where today we have manufactured products that provide a cure for people that had no hopes in many uh, different areas in medicine. So it's really completely changing the landscape and providing, yes, great hopes uh, for patients.
0: Absolutely. It's becoming massively important, especially for the treatment of rare diseases as well as much as cancers and autoimmunity. So what type of products are being developed and manufactured at the MIRI Centre?
1: We plan and we develop different products for different pathology. Our aim is not to be focused only on a cell type and focused only on one disease, uh, but we aim at addressing different diseases with different cell types and different approaches. So we have some projects with RT cells, and as an example, some others with mesenchymal formal cells, some others with Tregs, and so on and so on. And these developments are put in place for clinical trials for many different pathology. Based on that, we have to keep in mind that the problems remain the same, at least in terms of manufacturing and quality control. And it is clear that we face exactly the same issues When we have to think about which kind of quality control, when we have to put in place this quality control and how to perform both the manufacturing, the quality control and the release, of course, of a product at the end for the patient. So many different projects, but at the end, the bone and the scaffold of uh, this manufacturing have to be fought in regards of what we have to put in place to be sure that at the end we deliver a safe product for our patients.
0: But the question I would like to ask is, what challenges do you face with regards to the quality control of all biological therapies that also apply to advanced therapy medicinal products like cell and gene therapies?
1: Uh, I, I would say that there is likely many challenges. Maybe the first one is which kind of quality controls are we supposed to perform on our product and correlated or in parallel to that, which kind of quality controls will the best qualify the product? Have we chosen the best quality control to qualify the product? So this is the first challenge. Maybe the second challenge is, are we able to perform the, all this quality control during the process and at the end of the process? Or should we try to put in place only some of them and to subcontract all this quality control? and to whom are we supposed to subcontract this quality control? Um, we, we have to keep in mind that when you subcontract the quality control, you are supposed and it is required to subcontract to laboratories uh, which are authorized and GMP authorized. So there is as well a question of how I fulfill all the different regulations when I put in place quality control? Because we always thought to this regulation in terms of manufacturing, but at the end, this is the same in terms of quality control. And maybe the, the third answer I, I can give or the first the third challenge is how I deal with the new technologies and how I, I can put in place or enter these new technologies into my my way of thinking the quality control. What I want to say is, we all know there is uh, some development in molecular biology, in deep sequencing, and so on. How I how I imagine these new technologies in the field of a quality control, which is supposed to uh, specifically be um, addressed to my drug product. Uh, and for which I need the results as soon as possible. So it, there, there are many challenges at the end, and I, I think we have we have often only the way of the manufacturing, only in mind the fact we have, that we have to manufacture some cells and thus a product, but all depend as well on how you put in place the quality control.
2: And so, Jérôme, Biomeu and the MIRI Center have been collaborating for four years now. Would you agree that collaboration between academic and industry players uh, is important to support the development of a cell and gene therapy market?
1: Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I agree because of uh, at least two or three different points. The first one is, as you state, Julian, many of these developments uh, came from research but many of this development has to be put in place in collaboration with industrial partners. This is one reason. The second reason is that I can see in our experience that we may have different collaboration with different industrial partners, either pharmaceutical laboratories as an example to put in place a drug, but we have as well many collaboration with industrial partners, which are involved as bio in not so much the drug by itself, but how you manufacture and control this drug to be safe for the patient, how you can think as early as possible to the industrialization of the process, and which kind of process of equipment you will use to ensure that the drug at the end is safe. But at the end, they are, of course, very important. And we never thought, even at the beginning of the project, that we will work only with academic colleagues. Our aim was really to work from the very beginning,
2: as soon as possible, with industrial partners. So if we... If we go back to these therapies that are pretty innovative and complex to manufacture, do they require specific expertise for the manufacturing part in terms, for example, of quality controls?
1: Uh, I would say yes, because these drugs are qualified as drugs, of course, but we all know that ATMPs uh, and the cell and gene therapy drugs are somewhat particular. These are not chemical drugs. They came from living cells and that both the manufacturing and the quality controls are specific in some way. Quality control that has to be put in place have to be put in place on raw materials, of course, as any drug and after in process and on the drug product. One can say that this is the, exactly the same for chemical drug. I agree, but the heterogeneity we may have at the end in the drug product because the patients are different, because the donors are different, even if they are qualified as healthy donors, we all know that two healthy donors are different because their cells are different. Whatever, at the end, we are supposed to have robust, reproducible processes to run this process. And much is based on how you will qualify your product, and thus, which kind of quality control you will put in place to ensure this robustness and this reproducibility?
2: And so, if we go a little bit deeper into these quality controls, in terms of safety testing, what are the, you know, what are the key parts where you need to uh, apply these quality controls and and microbiological tests? So, in terms of safety testing, uh,
1: maybe we can divide them into. Yeah, the safety testing we have to perform on a virological point of view uh, to qualify your raw material, as an example, or to be absolutely sure that you do not have any bovine virus or porcine virus, and so on and so on. So, the second point related to safety testing is to me the microbiological testing that are put in place as an in-process control and, of course, on the drug product by itself. The issues we have to face today is that these microbiological testing and their results are obtained in seven or ten days. And the question is whether or not we will be able to put in place new technologies to have such results maybe in 24 or 48 hours, which will allow to release the lots and the batches much more quicker and maybe to treat our patient quicker as well.
2: Yeah, and I agree that time to result is really a key issue and we'll come back uh, to that l- later on. For these cell therapy, of course, as you said, we have safety microbiology tests that are in place, such as in any pharma manufacturing. But for this therapy, we, have also, we are also seeing that now we also need to provide, you know, a, a kind of assessment of the cellular attributes.
1: Is it right? Yeah, absolutely. It is It, it is completely right. Maybe coming back to our uh, first point related to the different cells from different donors or, of course, uh, from patient. Of course, the cellular attributes uh, are of are importance. You have to know which kind of cells you are supposed to graft to, to your patients. You have to be aware of what we call impurities, but impurities, of course, in a cellular product is related to the other cell types that enter your manufacturing and that should enter the drug product. And thus, you have to put in place quality control that are able to help you to determine and to qualify these IPCs.
2: And so with all that we discussed, on average, how many QC tests does it represent to manufacture one product? <laughs> it, all, it all depend on the specification <laughs> you,
1: want to, you want to have from, for, your, for your drug product. I would say that to, on a very basic point of view, many of the cell and gene products are at least qualified with flow cytometry, cell viability, microbiological testing, of course potency testing and can be slightly different for gene therapy in which you will add a virus copy number efficacy, transduction efficacy so I would say between 5 and 15 different quality control for releasing a drug product and maybe roughly the same if we are speaking about in-process controls. Maybe not so much but at least Five to ten, maybe, for in-process control.
2: And with so many QCs, what's really the cost, uh, you know, of QC on er, on the overall cost of manufacturing? For example, if we take the example of a CAR-T product, what represent QC cost uh, for that?
1: Well, the the question of QC is maybe more difficult to answer just in saying. Well, for one batch this is ten percent of the of the global manufacturing. Because I think we we easily forgot that when you perform one QC, you are supposed to have put in place all the qualification, all the validation of your methods, and it takes a long, long time Put in place all of this validation and all this qualification. So I think that all this cost of developing your quality control should be included as well as the cost for one batch. So yeah, the quality control could represent some way between ten to twenty percent of the cost of your uh, the whole drug product.
2: Thanks. And so if we now turn. You- Maybe it's interesting to explain why uh, we put such emphasis on quality control. You know, from, from a patient point of view, what's really the point of doing all these QCs? So
1: on a, on a patient point of view, of course, the idea is to be as safe as possible for the patient. And the second is, again, to be sure or to try to ensure that all your patients will receive what is supposed to be exactly the same drug. So, of course, this is of importance for the patient. And maybe we can add that this is, of course, of importance to fulfill all the regulation we have to face uh, for releasing a, a product. So you have the patient, you have the safety of the patient, you have, again, and for the patient to ensure that your process is reproducible and is robust, and you have to fulfill
2: all the regulations which are related to quality control. And and you mentioned before, you know, the, the importance of time to result. Remind me, how long does it take, for example, from patient sampling to reinjection, for example, for a car So for a car if you take the D0
1: as the day we harvest the patient, you have after 12 to 15 days of manufacturing and all the quality control that has to be put in place thereafter. And this, again, microbiological controls for which the results will be obtained seven to 10 days after the drug product has been manufactured. So this is at least, at least I will say one month to have from the, the day of harvest. So, it's a long way, and it, is, it can be very difficult for us to have our patients treated between this month and waiting at the end to be injected with the CAR T cells.
2: Indeed, because we, we are talking about very sick patients. And so, it might occur that the disease evolves uh, during that manufacturing time, and so it puts again an emphasis on, on what you were discussing. Is it only by reducing, you know, the the time to result that we can uh, shorten that manufacturing time, or do you see some potential development in manufacturing that could also, you know, reduce the time of manufacturing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of developments to date on the optimization, industrialization of the process. I would say maybe in at least two way. The, the first way is how we can use new technologies or new equipments to, to try to manufacture quicker and safer, safer being, as an example, to use bioreactors rather than plastic flask, quicker because if you work with, as an example, again, bioreactors, maybe you can have more cells quicker. And there is another way of thinking, maybe more specific to our discussion related to CART cells. That is, we are to date producing CART cells with an expansion transduction and expansion phase of roughly 12 days. The idea could be as well to say, okay, is it really necessary to ex-vivo expand? CAR T cell during 12 days, or would it not be more interested to expand the cells only during two or three days to inject them into patients, and they will expand directly in vivo into patients? So there are a lot of, of discussion of, of way we can think differently, either differently if you want, uh, as we just say, for, for CAR T cells. and likely very differently on how we put in place the manufacturing process and the quality control which are associated. How we can industrialize this process, how we can use different process, different technologies. There are much thinking to date as an example on microfluidic processes. Uh, this is a, another way likely to improve the bioproduction processes. And this is the same for quality control, of course.
2: And indeed, if we can reach, because I think I read somewhere that we could expect to manufacture in two, three days. So it would mean that the stability testing to release product would be five times, you know, the time of manufacturing. And and that's that's indeed not possible. Maybe to go in another direction, these are genetically modified cells. Is there any concern with the fact that these are GMOs products? Of course, yes. I would say...
1: If you modify the cells, you take a risk. If you modify the genome, of course you take a risk. Once at that, the the question is how you you decrease at the maximum the the risk you you take when you modify the cells. So, of course, this is the main issue, I would say, when you speak about gene-modified cells. And maybe another we never thought about, is the way the nurses, as an example, and the way the patients think about this GMO or think about this gene therapy. I've been asked one time by a nurse, what happened if I got a problem with a CAR cell at the time I inject my patient? Is there a risk for me or not? Which is honestly interesting and surprising. Surprising because this, these nurses are the ones who graft patients since 10, 20 or 30 years. So it's surprising, but very interesting again, that they ask this kind of question for specifically car cells or gene-modified cells. And of course, it is reasonable that some patient may ask the question of, is it dangerous for me? To receive gene modified cells, even if those are mice cells and even if these are very sick patients. But the question is in mind, yes.
0: All right. Unfortunately, that's all we have time to discuss today. Thank you, Jerome and Julian, for joining us and for your wonderful insights into the development of cell and gene therapies. I particularly liked your discussion on how important it is to collaborate between industry partners and academia and research. Uh, That's certainly something we're seeing a lot with COVID-19 and other technologies as well. So on behalf of European Pharmaceutical Review, Biomeru, Jérôme Langaro, and Julian Textoris, thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us for our next episode.